everybody. Welcome to podcast number 13. Um, I'm obviously not Paul Miller. I'm Mandy Wilkie uh, standing in tonight um, with Esther. So in a second, I'm going to let her introduce herself. But welcome to all the people watching. So um, Esther, why don't you uh, do a brief little introduction of who you are and um, how you became part of On Pace Race? That is an excellent question, a very broad question, I might add. Sorry, we're going to start off with um, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So I'm Esther. I work with OnPace. I am kind of the official sweeper for OnPace. Uh, for people who don't realize what a sweeper is, that means I deliberately go last. Uh, <laughs> I like to say that um, I am last on purpose and I am last with purpose. So uh, I make sure that every single runner is able to get through the run. I run with a backpack full of extra supplies, um, keep in touch with the race directors the entire time. The entire point is just to make sure that every single runner knows they get to finish and that there will be no reason that they are not supported and no reason that they will not have what they need to be able to get to the finish line. And that kind of started <laughs> a couple of years ago where... I, um, my, my partner who also runs for on pace was doing a kind of casual run with Carrie Miller and she really didn't understand why this guy was like very bouncing and lively and like super relaxed is like sticking with a four hour time group. But he's like, I like the personalities here and you guys are great. So she naturally recruited him and at one of the runs that he was going to, he asked if I should, you know, reach out and see if they needed a sweeper because that's something I've done for other runs. And Carrie, being absolutely lovely, was like, sure. <laughs> like, not really having an awareness of what a sweeper was or what that would entail. Um, and then went through that first run, and that was actually at uh, Green Bay. I think that's the first one, run I did for them. Yeah. And it had been cut down to a half marathon because of the weather and everything else. It was just kind of a crazy year. And I don't know, it just turned into a perfect day. I got to go with a woman who has, um, her son ran that race for the first few years. And then she has done it every single year since then um, because he died after doing it a few years. And so she has a medal from every single year of the run. And so she ended up being kind of at the back of the pack for a little while. And I went with her and then Ryan came back out and ran with her for a little bit. And then I met up with a couple of girls who were just, you know, just out there doing it and, and not happy to be out there alone. It was just really cool to spend some time with them. So that kind of spiraled into doing this at a lot of runs, which has been really cool. I think, um, is it fair to say that maybe even with all of Carrie's race experience, um, that she didn't really understand the value of a pacer? Is it fair to say that most race directors don't even think about a pacer, but then they end after on pace comes in and brings mm. in Esther? Um, <laughs> that could arguably be the most important pace role, in my opinion, of all the pacers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I will argue with you on that simply because I like to point out that you can do what I do and I can't do what you do. So when we're talking timing and stuff like that, I, I think the value is in, you're right. I think someone with Carrie's race experience tends to be very um, in line with what we expect from race directors. She's incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly capable, has experience 
both running and pacing and coaching. She knows what she's doing, but she's never in a position where she's had to do a seven hour marathon. And I think because she hasn't, her perception of what the back of the pack looks like is very different. Um, I have a lot of people ask me, is your role as a sweeper to keep them on pace? And my response is always, my role as a sweeper is to make sure no one tries to keep them on pace. (laughs) Because if you're forcing yourself to finish a marathon, you don't need me to tell you what pace you're going. You don't need me to tell you to go faster. You need to tell me, you need me to tell you that I see you and that you belong here and that you were part of this group. Because at least in my experience, both with myself and with other people, when someone at the back of the pack drops, it's not because they can't do it. It's because they think they don't belong there. And that's the most devastating part of being at the back of the pack. Um, Because I have experience being at the back of the pack, it's something that I very much identify with and it's important to me. Um, So I started, this was actually probably... I think this was 2017 was the first time I officially swept for a race while working with a race. Like I had actually volunteered with the race. I worked with the key volunteers. I was connected with the race director. Um, I had done it for many other runs unofficially where either a runner knew they were going to be last or expected to be last and asked me to run it with them. Or I had just kind of dropped back and stayed with somebody who was going last. But that was the first time that I worked with a run. And that was the Eugene marathon in 2017. And the guy who ended up being last, um, phenomenal. He's like one of my favorite humans, but he was 68 years old, decided to run the marathon two days before the marathon, had never run a marathon before, uh, had only trained for the half, (laughs) didn't have a cell phone on him, didn't have extra water, didn't have a course map. uh, And the last aid station we found that was actually manned was at mile nine. But... I had lots of extra water. Uh, One of his friends met us out there and gave us a couple extra water bottles. Like we finished. Um, And it took, I I wanted to say it was like eight and a half hours. It was, it was a decently long marathon, but we finished. And then he almost immediately signed up to do it again the next year and called the race director. was like, that's just going to be there, right? Like this is going to be a thing that we do together. Um, and what was really cool about it is that first year, it was like, we got to the finish line, there's no finish line. His wife was there to give him a big hug. I was in touch with her the whole time, too. Um, and just like, like, it was a really cool moment, but they weren't prepared for it. And that's pretty standard. I mean, I, I wouldn't, most race directors don't know what's going on at the back of their pack because it's not something that's in their, um, in their field of vision. But the next year... Uh, him and I did it again, went all the way through the marathon together. He was more prepared this year. (laughs) I was more prepared, like knowing he was going to be there. Um, And all the key volunteers, including the race director, lined up and gave him a standing ovation at the finish line. So seeing that process of a run that wasn't ignoring the back of the pack deliberately, it just wasn't aware. And how quickly the volunteers and the race director like responded to that and shifted their focus gave me a tremendous amount of hope for the running community um, and made me kind of want to do this more consistently across the board. Well, and I think um, what's so great about it is it shifted the mindset. Like you said, um, people really need to understand, like we joke about no matter what your pace is, 26 miles is 26 miles, whether you're fast or whether you're slow, it's the same distance and everybody deserves the same 
hoopla at the end. Um, And I've gotten to be a part of the end with you a lot to come and cheer you in because it's just, it's a different mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and you touched on it a little bit um, and I don't want to dive in too deeply. I want to do what your comfort level is, but there's a reason why you decided to become a sweeper. And it's because you had an experience um, where someone believed in you and gave you uh, the support you needed to finish a race. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So my first marathon, I'm trying to think if I can remember even the name of the marathon. I think it was like the Iris Run or something. It was was a run in Oregon. Um, I had only been running for about five or six weeks should not have been doing a marathon, like didn't know what I was doing. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I shouldn't have been there. I think at this point in time, I thought wearing tighter shoes was better for your feet because there's like stability. She's like ready to shoes that are like so tight that I'm getting blisters on top of my feet. Like that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to do it. Like I got probably 10 miles in and I was like, this is dumb. Like, I don't belong here. These are not my people. Like, I'm not a runner. This is, I'm never going to be a runner. This is dumb. Um, but there was a gentleman who was going with me. Um, his name's also Jim. And uh, the, the man from Eugene is also Jim as well. So I have, I have some tremendous, lovely experiences with men named Jim. Um, he, he refused to leave me. And, and I tried multiple times. I was just like, okay, well, like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes in this porta potty. Like, you should just, you should just go. Like, you should just go. Because I could not bring myself to drop as long as he was with me. Um, we both have heart conditions. And so he told every aid station that we were the cardiac kids when we came through together. Like, just, the, like, I couldn't, I couldn't drop in front of him. Um. And finally, I want to say it was like 16 miles in or something. I had, I had persistently just been like, okay, bye, bye. Like, you should go. Like, I'll be fine. Um, and he finally looks at me and he goes, honey, I've run 387 marathons. It's not going to kill me to walk one with you. And he stayed with me. And I finished. And while on the surface level, that can sound like anyone else's story, right? It's any first marathon, Something happened and you finished and it was, you were elated and it was cool. The, the difference for me was the reason I got into running as quickly as I did was because I had reached a point in my life where it was either I was done being alive because I really wanted to be done being alive or I was going to find something, a, a way out of where I was at. And if he hadn't stayed with me and I hadn't finished that race, I genuinely don't know if I would be alive today. So for me, it's not just about running. It's about the idea of humanity and being there in the moments when we need each other. Because most people I go with on a run will never need me again. Like they're all going to be faster than me very soon and I won't be able to keep up with them. But sometimes on that first run, like you you don't know. And it's not always their first run. Um, I've run with people, you know, who have done hundreds of these. And it just happened to be that that day where they were at, they were going to be at the back. And just being able to walk beside someone in that is, is just an incredible experience. And often I'm annoying enough that they, they, they go faster than me. It's like, it's like I'm really just here to, like, make sure that you keep going. 
Like, and thank thank you for sharing that. I think um, I think people think a lot of runners are born runners, right? And <laughs> we've had this conversation. Like you weren't born a runner, I wasn't born a runner. Um, we have a story, we have a reason, and and you yeah. have a big, you have a big why. And um, one of the things that I always love, um, when we're kind of after a race and we're sitting around talking, you always get the best story. <laughs> you get the best story of who you're running. So. Um, so I've heard some of them, but if you could, and, and the relationships that you've created with these people, these are not end of race relationships. You've, you've, yeah. you've, you've become friends with these people. You, you go back to other races with them that we're not pacing for and you run with them. Um, tell me about your, maybe one of your favorite experiences or somebody that really impacted you differently to the point where this is now way more than our job is on pace. This has become someone that you've, you've really connected with or, um, or keep in touch with. And I know it's a lot of them for you, but if you have a favorite, what's your favorite? Well, I don't, I'm going to say this very publicly. Cool. I do not have a favorite. <laughs> I do not have a favorite because I love so all those tuning in, Esther does not have a favorite. <laughs> Let's be really clear on that. Yeah. Um, Actually, I had somebody ask me once, like, what happens if you end up with somebody at the back that you don't like or, like, doesn't have a good personality? I was like, that's never happened. That will never happen. You're not forcing yourself through at the back of the pack, like, doing this on your own and being a horrible person. Like, it's just not a thing. Right. Well, I always end up with lots of people. They're all, like, categorically my favorite. Um, most recently, and I hope he would be okay with me sharing this because this was information that, you know, he shared with me, but I also, it, it's a fine line because I do get the stories, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I had the pleasure of running with a gentleman who uh, ran his first marathon in 2011 and then had kind of a bad experience, both just with like his ankles were having some problems and he was last and like the race was not supported at a half marathon after that. And he just stopped. He just stopped running. And he ended up um, gaining a lot of weight and just like being frustrated with where he was at in life and started getting back into it. And he had done the Fort to Base run a couple of times where he had done like the three mile version. And then this year was the first time he was doing the full 11 and I think it's like 11 and a half miles. It's right? 10, 10 nautical miles. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he was expecting to be out there and be left and be by himself. And it was really cool going with him and like hearing his stories. And then Ryan, as he always does, my partner, um, came out and did the last couple miles with us and we all ran in together and it was just a phenomenal day. Yeah. Uh, it was also, I was very, very grateful that he was there because we had done the Wausau Marathon the day before. That was one of those weekends of doubles. And I'm not in shape for that. And I thought I was going to die. So it was actually really nice to be like, it's like, no, we can get through this together. Like, this is going to be okay. <laughs> like, it's going to be good. Right. Um, but he really, I don't know, him and I really connected. We're very similar personalities. And so he's someone I have kept in touch with. And we actually, he started me doing, he's been doing a, um, what do you call it, where you where you do at least like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes every day, a streak or whatever. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so he's been doing that and he kind of dragged me into it. And so now we message each other every day and there's like some accountability over that. And it's just been really positive, especially because I had just moved. And so there's like transition and it's been tough. And so he's someone that I really connected with, but I genuinely, it would be hard 
to pick a favorite because I've been exposed to so many just incredible people. Right. Doing uh, such incredible things. Yeah, and I got to be there to watch that, that finish. Um, I was pacing just a little bit in front of you and got to watch that finish. And again, it's just like, it's it's amazing, right? And and it's kind of that last minute rush to where's the finishing medals? Turn the music back on. Let's get going and let's yeah. bring this guy in. And because yeah. again, his distance is the same as the first place finisher. Um, so and often the journey is much longer. What's that? Often the journey is much longer. You bet. It's it, it, it's uh, I often say it's probably arguably just as difficult, if not more, because you're out there yeah. for longer. Um, well, I mean, in terms of if you're good at running, your training for a marathon is very different than somebody who is doing it by a force of will. You bet. Versus just like having that natural inclination. Right. Um, okay, so this is switching gears a little bit, but um, I love this. I love this like little fact of Esther. Give everybody a rundown of what exactly is in the backpack of Esther on race day. Oh, I feel like this is something your daughter and I talked about a little bit, maybe. And I was like, I, because I here's the, here's the reason why I wanted to ask that, because I think the mindset is, oh, she carries like body glide and band-aids and makes a lot of water, right? And it's really nothing like that. But um, combine that with the time that you knocked on a door at somebody's house. Yeah, that did happen once. Yeah, let's, let's so, talk about that. So, yeah, so this comes from like experience right the things that end up being in the backpack all come with some type of story so I carry let's see on average I have at least 60 ounces of water on me usually in the form of unopened water bottles just so if you are going to give a runner a water bottle you don't want to be like here drink out of this thing that I've been drinking out of all day yeah exactly although at that point you don't care anymore you'll drink anything well, you don't but I try to be respectful and courteous in that yeah. in that regard so I usually have at least two like 20 ounce unopened ones I have a waist belt quite often especially in summer I don't necessarily do that in winter because you can get away with a little less hydration um that has another 20 ounce bottle in it. And then I have two um, 16 ounce bottles that are in the front. So two that always remain unopened and are for other runners. And then I have enough water to share if things really got bad. Um, then I also keep either, sometimes both, a bottle of electrolyte on me and electrolyte, um, like drip drop type things that can be poured into water if you're getting low on electrolytes. I usually carry things like ibuprofen and S-caps and uh, anti-nausea pills like Tums, that kind of stuff, because that can be a thing. Um, usually carry some form of like nut butter and at least a thousand calories of just miscellaneous food items. Um, usually like Doritos. I do carry Doritos. I frequently carry a can of Coke. You would be amazed. Uh, like little mini Cokes. If you're the thing that people don't think about, and this gets back to race directors and stuff as well, where if you are a fast runner, what you need during a marathon, what you need for a three-hour marathon is very different than what you need for a seven-hour marathon. Mm -hmm. um, seven-hour marathon is going to feel more like an ultra marathon. You're going to need actual sustenance. You know, you can't survive on sugar tabs. <laughs> like, this is not going to work. Even Gatorade is, is problematic for back-of-the-back runners because it's so high in sugar. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to have everything that a runner or a group of runners because sometimes you do have more than one runner at the back uh would need for a full marathon so if every single aid station is closed 
we're still good because that's what I want to do. I want to remove the excuse. I don't want you to be out there saying, oh, well, this next day station is going to be closed, so I have to stop. It's like, nope, sorry, man. I've got everything. Like, we're good. Um, I do carry some limited medical supplies, things like Neosporin and Band-Aids, and I think I do have some body glide in there sometimes uh, in Summer, winter, I'll usually have, or summer, I'll usually have like an extra bandana that can be filled with ice, things like, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in winter, I usually have like an extra pair of gloves and hats and those kind of things if somebody doesn't have something. Um, but <laughs> getting back to the like, what you need for a three-hour marathon is very different than what you need for an eight-hour marathon or a seven-hour marathon. Uh, the man who ran with me the first year at Eugene came back the second year. It was awesome. He was actually very very happy to tell me when I ran into him the third year that he had been smart and only signed up for the half. So he's like, unfortunately, I won't be with you all day today, but we can still hang out. Um, the second year, he had actually gone to a running store in advance and was like, look, like, what should I carry on me? I know like Esther has all these things, you know, what should I carry? And they gave him just packets and packets of like jelly beans, which are, I mean, they're designed for running and for a fast runner. That's great. They're a boost of caffeine and sugar right? Um, for back of the pack runner, what that's going to do is cause your blood sugar to spike, <laughs> cause it to crash, which is not ideal. And is exactly what happened. And that particular day, I did not have any bread items on me. I don't even think I had peanut butter on me. Um, so, so he could upon himself to knock on a woman's door <laughs> and ask if she had some bread he could have. <laughs> and the sweet lady was just like, well, do you want butter on it? And he was like, no, just, just the bread is fine. And she's hammered on me. Scampered off, brought him a piece of bread. We finished the run. It was great. But yeah, it was just one of those, like, of course that happened. (laughs) Memorable race moment. And I think that's awesome. And I think that people often forget too, you're not only running, sweeping, getting people to the finish, you're carrying a backpack that's not, it's like a tiny human, you know? I mean, you've got it filled with stuff, right? With all the water and the liquids, um, you know, it's it's a lot of extra work. So um, I... I love races where there's a sweeper. Um, I love one of the things that I've heard you say along the way of um, you're never going to be listed last on the website because at the expos, right, we've heard people say, like, I'm going to be the last one done. And what I love is Esther gets to sweep in, no pun intended, and say, no, 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 that's going to be me. I'll always be, I'll I'll always take that role. And I think that's awesome. Um, So last question, I'm trying to be a little mindful of our time. Um, Last question for you. You've paced a lot of races. You've run in a lot of places. Um, destination race that you'd love to do. Like what's, what's on the bucket list of Esther for um, not necessarily as a sweeper, but I think as a sweeper too, because we kind of have our bucket list as sweepers. Um, I know that you've got some, some big, exciting races coming up, but what is a bucket list place for you? A really good question. I think that my role is very different, right? I, because I am always going last, I don't think I have a lot of races that are my, like, oh, I want to go do that. And partly I have some health conditions that will probably always keep me near the back of the pack, and that's okay. Um, but it means I don't really have, like, you know, a lot of people have Mont Blanc or something like that. And it's it's like, yeah, I'd love to do that, but I think all cardiologists would ask me not to, so I'm not going to. Um, 
so right now I'm kind of just focused on the ones that are at hand. We're we're doing one in uh, Memphis coming up. That's going to be really cool, and it's just a new opportunity to be around new people. I'm very excited to work with the Zuma runs again in the future. That was if you're not familiar with the Zuma runs, they're um, like female focused runs, and they do half marathons, and it is one of the most encouraging just women encouraging and empowering other women and just the connectiveness and the humanity it was an incredible incredible experience and I very much look forward to doing their more of their runs in the future uh so for me it's it's more about the people than the places like I'm very excited for the next run that you're going to be at I'm very excited for the next run Paul and Carrie you're going to be at uh Ryan runs 100 milers because he's insane so um we, he slides through 100 milers. He does. He does. Um, but I love those. Those tend to be our destination races because all I all I do is pace him on those. I'll do 20 or 30 miles with him in the middle of the night. But no big deal. <laughs> but those are our date nights. You know, yeah. like when he's at his slowest, darkest moment, I get to walk with him. And I love that. And I also love, I mean, just in terms of kind of bringing it back around to like why it matters. I think there's a lot of people who think if you walk any part of a run, then it's not a run. And, you know, yeah. you said it over and over again, but that's just insane. Mm-hmm. Like you're still doing the distance. Exactly. And I think being around those hundred mile runs has been really cool because you see that more clearly, like nobody runs a hundred miles. There's maybe like, some crazy, fr- there's some people who do it, but there's, that's not the norm. The norm is you're always going to hit a point where you have to walk. And I like carrying that mentality into marathons and just like everyone is welcome here. Like this is a community, not a competition and, and you can be part of it. So, uh, so sadly I don't have a fun destination run to give you, but there's a run for the on-pace team. Actually, the, the man that I was speaking about earlier is doing his first again marathon so he did his first one in 2011 he hasn't done one since uh he signed up for one in may and we're gonna fly out and do that with him so love it love i'm it. very excited about that well i i first of all i want to thank you um outside of your hobby of running you have a very busy very demanding life so i appreciate you taking the time i appreciate you allowing me to kind of lead the charge on the podcast versus paul um, one thing that I will say is I've just loved getting to know you better. And um, I love knowing when you are going to be sweeping and getting to spend time with you um, just as a person and what you do. It's super selfless to be the sweeper. And um, I love that you take so much pride in it and um, that you really take what a lot of people would consider like the last place finish and you celebrate it to become something way bigger than that um, and an accomplishment. So I think you you um you're very humble in the position and the role that you take and i i admire it very much and i just love being part of your on pace uh family so that was a lot of compliments all at once and i don't know what to do with that i know i'm super fond of you too (laughs) and you know just on pace in general it's it's an incredible group of people i think more than more than any other location the fact that you go with people when it matters is is awesome yeah yeah well, thank you, Esther. I look forward to running with you soon. Um, and you will always run ahead of me, but that's okay. In a race with you and watching you finish. Um, that's Esther. Actually, one of my favorite parts is is getting to watch you come through. So it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. thank you very much. Thank you so much.